Hey podcast, uh, the Gary V Challenge. Hashtag Gary V Challenge. That's right, I put out the huge deck. How many pages was that, 270? The, the, the deck I put out on my birthday uh, is out there now and now I'm scared. Why am I scared? Because people love consuming information but they hate doing the things in the information. So we're doing the Gary V Challenge. Hashtag Gary V Challenge. What does that mean? I am now challenging you, my audience, to make content at scale. Use the hashtag Gary V Challenge in Facebook, in Instagram, in Twitter, in LinkedIn so that we can find your stuff and I'm gonna pick some winners in January of the people that have gone out and actually made, making, contextually making, making at scale. Please go do that, go check it out. Looking forward to it, please enter. Doing always is better than reading. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. What's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Gary V Audio Experience Podcast. Today, Gary sits down with Honest Bukash as they talk about the current school system, parents, and why some entrepreneurs fail. I believe there's a lot of value in this episode, so make sure to hit him up if you have any questions, as well as check out Honest's Instagram with the links in the description. I hope you enjoy. Gary V. Yes, sir. Gennady Vaynerchuk. Very good. You got it. Who the fuck are you? Ah, wait, before, I want you, I read a very cool stat that said that people who swear are usually much more honest people. <laughs> I swear, yes. you swear way more than me, but I want you to be as honest as you Happy want. to so do feel it. feel free. So I'll start with, who are you? I'm uh, a very grateful human, and that gratitude drives a lot of functions of my life. The way, I, the way I build businesses, the reason that I'm even doing this interview, um, aka people know who I am. Um, at its core, I'm a deeply grateful individual who, you know, for context, you know, was an immigrant from the Soviet Union who went to the US and like many immigrants in many parts of the world, had the luxury of the adversity of that situation become foundational, um, which also led to a complete lack of entitlement, which leads to humility, but deep drive and conviction. Um, Well-parented, very well-parented, and deeply ambitious. You know, deeply ambitious for legacy first, um, and, and that's, that's who I think I am. You hit, you hit so many things I want to talk about, but first one is your childhood. Yes. How do you, I know you left Belarus. Yes. I know at one point you had eight people in the studio. Yes. How did that shape you? I think it shaped me a lot, you know. I, I think that not having a lot at a young age is a very big advantage. You know, it's very hard to be hungry when you've been fed. And so, I think it shaped me in a lot of ways. A, I'm extremely close to my mother, like very close. Um, B, you know, not only did we not grow up with a lot, but on top of not growing up with a lot, my mom is deeply cheap. (laughs) So even when we- I can relate, there are some things in my life that are the same. It's crazy, even when we got to like middle class, we still lived in, like, I, I, you know, 
it's fun to like think about, you know, as I've gotten more notoriety and as I've challenged myself to bring more value to people, I've had to think a lot more about what's worked. And, and then you just start thinking and I'm like, wait a minute, you know, things that I never thought of, I'm like, wait a minute, after a while we were not that poor but we still didn't buy anything. Oh crap, my mom's cheap, you know? Well, I think it's a mentality. It is. Well, my mother, my mother, my mother's dad, my grandfather, kind of, you know, in communism, you're not allowed to really own anything, but it was all black market. And he kind of, you know, clearly I've got my, both my grandfathers had a lot of entrepreneurial DNA, so it makes a lot of sense of who I am. She kind of was like pretty well off, which by the way, in Belarus in the 1950s and 60s was ghetto. But it was the, she was the ghetto queen of the ghettos. And then my grandfather went to jail for 10 years in communist and Russia and she lost everything. And I think that has always stuck with her. Her having a little something in context and her losing that. She, we talked about it last week. Like, you know, I'm trying to get my parents, I'm encouraging them, they're thinking about buying a home in Miami to go down, you know, they're getting older, they're in their you know, mid 60s, they're starting to, I want them to enjoy this next decade. And she's a cheap girl from the old country. <laughs> She really is. But it's very interesting because my mom went through shit in her life and even when she became secure, she always feels that it's not secure yet and it's not stable. I need to have this much in my account to feel like I'm okay. And for me, it's a little different but the same. I don't have a number I need to have but I save money which is like something nobody talks about anymore. Everyone's like, how do I raise money? Nobody talks about saving money, you know? And so... So your relationship with your parents, you think it's good? Yes. Solid? More than solid. That's great. I, I would argue that I fear the death of my parents at the same level that I fear the death of my children, which I think is unnatural, which speaks to the relationship I think I have with my parents. Okay. Um, moving, I know you're not a fan of the educational system. I'm not. I'm not too. But unfortunately, it's also a very intrinsic part of the world we were in, right? Yes. So we can criticize it so much, me and you, because I'm the same, and I talked about it. But what do you think is really maybe quick changes that we can do to at least start being in the right path of education? I think we have to understand that every single human is different. And if we don't reverse engineer what they're good or bad at, and they have to go through one singular system, it's inconceivable that we're doing anything good for them. Miraculously, 33% of those kids, 18, 29, 54, 71, will get what they want. I just think that it's unfortunate to force somebody from six to 18 or 22 to go through a system that doesn't, brings them no value and prepares them for nothing that happens in real life. How are we still in 2020 in a world where we do not educate children on how to manage money? Yeah. How, like, it's not even there. Not a kid is being taught about how to manage money. Every kid is being talked about outer space. Who gives a shit about outer space? I don't care about Saturn. Yeah. People don't know how to pay their taxes. <laughs> we, it's a complete, a, it doesn't work for everybody and, it, and everyone has to do it, that's bad. B, 
looking at the room here and definitely the people behind the camera, anybody who now lives life post-school realizes there's an enormous amount about life that we were not prepared for in any shape or form. Why? One size fits all. One size fits all, can't work for anything. Two, even what's taught in there is missing core things. Why don't we teach self-esteem? Why don't we teach money management? Why don't we teach? Mental health, let's talk about that. Why don't we teach anything that's valuable? Let's, everything that's taught is stuff that people memorize. Why should I memorize something? I'll give you, where's my phone? I got the answer on my phone. It's great. The whole system is fundamentally broken. I think what, what, I, what I find bizarre is that when we are born, literally, what they talk about is how unique your fingerprint is, how unique as a person and how special you are, right? But then all the big systems are one size fits all. Education, all of you have to have a bachelor's degree. Yeah, but I don't want to study. You have to pass biology. I don't like biology. No, you have to. But you said I'm special. You said I'm unique. I don't want to. No, you have to. So suddenly, if you don't even have a CV, who looks at you today? Very few corporations. Who wants to work for a corporation? But you see what I mean? But by the way, the best corporations in the world are not looking at CVs anymore. College, yes. requ- Google, Facebook, these are not college required companies. VaynerMedia proudly so does cool, not. Gary. Yeah, well listen, a lot of things take so long. Yeah. Like, we, it took us so long to demonize beating your wife. Correct. It took us, in America, in 1975, in America, in 1975, half the states, it was legal to rape your own wife. It takes us so long for everything. It, we had concentration camps that murdered millions of Jews 70 years ago. We do a lot of things that are stupid. People are very funny. They're the best, but we have tons of stupid things. And the modern education system in an internet world makes no sense. Uh, one of the lectures I heard, and uh... You said that 99% of the entrepreneurs that were attending would <laughs> fail. And I'm like, shit, that's refreshing because I hear all the fluff on the other side. All of these life coaches sending so many words, giving that 24-hour boost of morale, which then crashes. And I'm like, okay, at least this guy is real. The question I have, which is also related to what you just said, in a time where we have the internet, me and you, when I'm, I'm 38 now, I don't know how old 44. We didn't have the internet in the beginning. Today, they have every tool, every search to not fail. Why do you think so many entrepreneurs still fail? Because it's hard. It's hard. This is, entrepreneurship got cool. Look at you and I. Look at you and I right now, dressed and acting at 38 and 44. When we were six and seven years old, people at 38 did not wear the Travis Scott's Nike, like, you know, like, like it's a different culture, um, and, but it's hard. It's hard. Number two, entrepreneurship got cool. And that's the biggest issue right now. It's trending. People like, like, you know, it's crazy. Like, I'm a 40, I'm the coolest I've ever been at 44 because entrepreneurship got cool and now everybody wants to be one just like a rapper, just like an athlete, it's that cool. That's dangerous. Because first of all, every guy wants to do it because it helps them get girls. 90% of them should not be entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is super lonely. It's anxiety filled. I was telling DRock 
yesterday, I hate being on this part of the world because when we go to sleep, there's still action going on in New York and New York is where most of my headaches are. And I can't attend to them. And I can't attend to it, so I go to sleep not as comfortably. Yeah, it's lonely, I, I, right? I relate, I mean, I wake up at 3 a.m., write a note, that I, so I just don't forget and then it's, it's quite messed it's up. It's not, and right now, people raise capital so they can make pretend they're winning. Mm. When you raise capital, you can disguise success. Correct. So I'm talking about it, not because I wanna say I'm an entrepreneur and you're not. I'm saying it because I know what happens next. What happens next is the money stops flowing because there's a global economic slowdown. And I do believe that 90%, 95% of the people that we know that have startups will fail because they didn't build a business, they were building a deck to raise more capital. Yeah, they're in it for a completely different reason. Completely different, they're not in it for the game. Yeah. They're in it for what, how it makes them look and the potential of money. Yes, and, that's and, very dangerous. Like, this is what I tell a lot of the students in, in university, because I'm like, you don't see somebody who has a cafeteria making money, You're like, oh, he's making money, I should open a cafeteria. And that's what you see, you see, cafeteria, 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 dry cleaner, dry, I'm like, just because he made money, you shouldn't, why, did you, why are you doing it? So you have to have passion, but you have to have the skill for it. Do something you're passionate about, but you're actually good at. Or, if you have the passion and your skill is okay, settle into knowing that you're only gonna make 130,000. Accept that. Aim for happiness, be self-aware. I'm not the best fashion designer, but I love it so much that I know I'm not gonna make five million a year, but I love it so much, right? Nobody's talking about that. That's awareness, man. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, look, this is real for me. I want to make the $130,000 take home fashion designer happy. The problem is right now every fashion designer wants to become off-white. They are like, if it's not a, there are kids running around thinking that if they don't build a billion dollar company, it's not a big company. We've completely lost sense of reality. Mm. It's completely broken. One thing to to complement what we're saying is um, I read, I've done a bit of research, thanks to Nikki. Um, that you at one point were posting, I think, a video every day on YouTube for years, correct? Yes. Okay. And this, I think, what people don't realize is the hard work, the focus, the consistency, and the quality. Thank you. What you weren't able to research was from 2007 to 2011, I replied to every single email and tweet I got until four in the morning. Nobody knew who I was, so I would go into Twitter search search wine terms and jump into conversations that people would tweet having this Pinot Noir and I would reply, they didn't know me, and I would reply, that's a good one, did you try the year before? And slowly but surely for hours and hours and hours for years and years and years, I built a foundation that years and years and years later started the creation of what people see now and meanwhile, people start a TikTok account, post five times, don't go viral, and they're like, this sucks. But that's the issue. I know what the issue we're, is. We're in a drive-through, convenient, no waiting 
Peter, so people are in relationships, which we'll briefly talk about. As soon as they don't like, okay, bye, fuck it. Yeah. They uh, want to order food, they go to Uber. They want to date, they go on Tinder. It's so quick gratification that I'm not even wired to just fucking wait. Or I go to the gym, they go three times, they're like, oh, I don't have a six pack. Yeah, you need to go for three months, and you need to eat better. But they don't want, they'll go do liposuction. And it's, it's scary that nobody's giving that what I was asking you about, the consistency of effort, you know? You're preaching. The, the lost art of patience and foundational. And, and this has a lot to do with parenting. Our parents' generation around the world where they could, when they, they borrowed money from parents. Our parents borrowed money from grandparents and paid them back if they wanted a house or start a business. Now, kids think their parents should just give them money. If you're 22 years old or older in the world and your parents are giving you money, you're in deep trouble. Why? Because you have been told by your parents and you've told yourself that you were incapable of standing on your own two feet. Correct. Which immediately leads to insecurity which leads to very bad behavior. Dependence. The end. And then when I say this, and this is maybe the fifth or sixth time I've said this publicly, I'll get a bunch of emails saying, you don't know me, I have two children from a bad man who left me. I'm like, live in a worse house. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, why am I looking at your, in- if your situation's so horrible and you need to take your appearance, why did I just click your Instagram account and you have a Prada bag? We've become so materialistic that people want all these things, but they want them. The question is why do they want them? They want them because we're communicating to the world. Every one of us right now is wearing what we're wearing, our haircuts, everything, communication. We're positioning ourselves to the world. I, I really, really think there's a lot of important conversations that are not being had. I'm trying to throw them out there and I enjoy I remember you know, meeting with you like a year ago. Like, I like when people see what I'm, and, and my hope is that if I have the courage to say stuff that people aren't talking about, then others will start doing it. Like, these are important, this is an important video. This, what, if one kid or grown up watches this on YouTube and changes their behavior, exactly. that's intense legacy. And it's, by the way, it's a passion project. There's, there's no sponsorship. I even removed the ads. I believe you. I want to do content for the sake of good content because it's lacking. We need thousands of us. Thousands. <clears throat> and eventually it becomes the culture. Correct. This is the first year that I've seen kids and cool kids post on their Instagram things like gratitude and empathy and kindness and I'm like, I'm making an impact. You know? I'll switch it to a personal yes. because I think it's really important yes. to talk as human beings. Please. Um, more than 15 years. Yes. With all the popularity, yes. the um, demand, the power, yes. it's not easy to sustain relationships today. You no. See, you were talking about the, the other people that quit. How do you survive? I don't want to even use the word survive because I think it has a negative connotation. How do you sustain a healthy relationship with all that attention? Every relationship, whether it's your spouse, your boyfriend, girlfriend, your children, your parents, your business partners, your siblings, every relationship is 100% predicated on communication. Mm -hmm. 
And that's your secret. And that's it. And when it works for me, it works because of communication, and when it doesn't work for me, it's because of breakdown of communication. And, and that's it, that's for me, and that's for every other single person on earth. It's that, it's kind of like everything else we talk about, and I think one of the things that's been obvious to me in our limited interactions with each other is I don't think we overthink things. You made a great point about plastic surgery. I think about that a lot, I really do. When I talk about business, or how simple I just answered the relationship question, all of this is wildly simple. People just don't want to do it. You, wanna, you want your body to look better, eat better, and go to the gym. That's it. That's it. Every course, every book, every conference, every video is just extra layers of fat on a very simple thing. You want to build a business? Here's how you do it. Make something that people want, make it always about the customer, make it always about your employees, be patient, be disciplined, rinse and repeat, rinse and re- you know, these things can be wildly simple. The problem is we complicate them. More importantly, the things that are simple are actually hard. It's hard. To be simple, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to do hard work. It, you know, people have egos. Like, you know, I tell the kids all the time, at 27 years old, I was in a liquor store in New Jersey ringing people up and taking boxes to the car. That's my life. That's, I was doing that. So of course when you're 24 and you're freaked out that you haven't made it yet, of course I'm gonna laugh at that. Of course. I lived something else. I, I want you to see it. So I think it's communication. Do you think, because uh, obviously your page is very objective about work, entrepreneurship, and, and if people even keep scrolling, they don't see anything about your being a father of yeah. you or a husband. Yes. Is it, obviously it's by design. Of course. But do you I think, think I'm the most public. The pr- I'm the most public, private person there is. Yes, you see. So there's the others that will. I don't want to say sabotage, but they will put out their family and they become family. Easy, easy likes. Right? Yeah. You know what gets easy likes? Girlfriends and boyfriends. Food. Your pet. Yeah. Children. Layup. Yes. I, I am convinced that there are enormous amounts of people in the world that have children just for Instagram. It's like a bag, like a designer bag. Now, that doesn't bother me, believe it or not, because I believe an enormous amount of people have children because they think they're supposed to at a certain age, because their mother's putting pressure on them. Like, there's a lot of other reasons people, you know? Especially in this region. Of course, listen, one one of the reasons I think I do resonate quite a bit in Asia, in the Middle East, in other parts of the world, is I deeply understand immigrant culture. I deeply, and, and I understand old world culture. They connect to you also. 100%, and old world culture. You know, like, so I get it, I get it. I mean, the biggest one in the region for me, the single biggest reason I love coming to this region is just to go on stage and put pressure on the parents to stop using their children as collateral for their own ego. The number one flaw, the one thing that Americans are detached from their children, which I don't think is great, but the one thing that is extreme in this part of the world is parents tell kids to do things that makes them look good, not makes their, it's 100% selfish. This, This part of the world, Asia, India, wildly, 
selfish parents who force their kids because it makes, you don't want to embarrass the family. You don't want to, you want you, you have to go to that school to make me look good. You have to be an engineer or a banker or you have to go to Harvard in America to make me look good. I haven't even paid attention to what makes you happy. Absolutely. You're a product of me. And you know what makes me mad? And I talk to some of these 63 year olds, 45 year olds. I'm like, like this is what hurts me about 20, the cliche 22 year old kid in this part of the world. They listen to their parents talk about how their grandparents made them miserable for doing what they wanted and they're just repeating the same behavior. Of course it is, but it's, but it's time for it to stop. And things stop when people start talking. And the reason I'm saying this right now is for that reason. Hopefully the next person takes it. And it didn't start with me. These things were things I heard or observed. Who the hell? You know, you know sometimes you don't know where you got it from. But it's happening. And actually a lot of what works for me, and this might help others, I think so much of who I've become has to do with my listening, not my talking. I read comments, DMs, emails. That's how I learned. People tell me things. How is it being a father? It's really interesting being a father. I'll explain why. I am so in love with my children, yet I am so passionate to not impose anything on them. You know, Will Smith's book, literally, the law of attraction shit, so last week, recommended video, click on it. Will Smith talks about how um, Willow, his daughter, was the challenge of his life because he wants to impose things, because we're, we're, we do that, like you said, to feed our ego, to impose things on her, and he's like, I realized that our kids are like seeds. The seed will be what it will be, whatever plant they may be. Us as parents should Gotta just water it. give the environment. The 100%. I, my daughter is already showing that she is a remarkable student. She might be the best student in her class in a private school in New York. My daughter's much better at school at this age. My daughter is a much better reader right now than I ever was. Uh, she, and like that makes me happy. Like when sometimes my friends figure this out, they're like, are you okay? I'm like, with what? They're like, you hate school. I'm like, I hate school for me. I love school for her. She's learning her ass off. I, I don't have any absolutes. I just want flexibility. I don't have absolutes, even though I speak in absolute terms. Everybody else has absolutes. Yeah, black or white. Right, I'm only gray. I'm just talking about things that are the alternative to the accepted black. Got it? That's what I'm doing. I think I operate in the same, I don't think one size fits all for anybody. It can't. Yeah. It's, you know why? We're logical. Very, it's been dangerously so. Yeah, but, but, that, but, but by the way, that's how, we're, you know, that's how we got to this. It can't one size fits all. Here's the proof. Here's me, not, and I can show you a million people that are happy, functional, and wildly successful that crushed school and loved it. And that's amazing. But, you know, it's interesting. I grew up in the US when entrepreneurship was nothing and school was the, and so now to see it the reverse, that, it's funny, that's why I'm pushing against entrepreneurship for everyone. You want to read that balance. 
I, I just want self-awareness. Individual, individual, him, 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 her, her. Individual, what makes you happy? What are you good at? And then more, you said something very smart and, and I added something, but I think we should go back to it. If you love something and you're good at it, it's going to be a big win. I think the nuance on that is if you love something and you're not good at it, it might be worth doing because being happy is more important than making money, but you have to be honest with yourself that you're only gonna make $40,000 a year being a painter because nobody's gonna buy your painting. If you learn to live on a $40,000 a year budget, this is, you know what's funny? I've, I've realized something about me, I'm like, right. I'm cooking an entire meal with the things I talk about. So in individual ingredients, when people look at it, it might be one thing, but if you take all the things I'm saying, it's an entire meal. Okay, and I, and I like how you react, I like that. And I like it too, because I think it can bring a lot of happiness, and if you understand how the internet works, there's a lot of people that can be much happier if they settle into, I'm a $63,000 a year t-shirt maker. You see where I'm going? But it takes another ingredient, and I know this is a good one because I'm really getting them right now. You have to live a life on the means of 63,000. You can't be a $63,000 a year t-shirt guy, but mommy and daddy are giving you 100,000 a year so that you can live in a better neighborhood and drive a BMW, because that's gonna lead to resentment between mom and dad and you, and entitlement from you. You have to, if you wanna be a big shot, I love when people, you know, some of my more young liberal friends are like, I just wanna be happy. And I'm like, no, you wanna just do art, but you want your parents to pay for it. We need more real conversations. We have to put making 63,000 a year because you love t-shirts and that's all you can do on Shopify and at the flea market. You have to buy a home that you can afford. You have to go to the Holiday Inn, not the Ritz Carlton. If we can get to that, it could get big. It could get real big. And the way we do that is by us applauding our friends who make 63,000 and go Holiday Inn, not, ooh, look, I went to the Ritz Carlton. You know what's funny, I got a comment. Uh, a guy told me, I, I was in economy with my kids and I took a picture and I posted it on story. And he goes, Anas, I don't get you. I'm like, excuse me? And he goes, one day you're in a private jet, the other day you're in first class, now you're in economy. I'm like, ah, so when I'm in economy, I'm not supposed to post. That's what you're telling me. I'm like, bro, it doesn't matter. I'm with my family, I'm happy. It doesn't change the fact that I have to, oh no, I have to run off to first class, take a selfie, come. But that's the world. Not the world I live in. Neither me, but I guess we're the strangers at some point, which hopefully becomes the common. It's gonna become the common. Because yeah. this is gonna break. There's so much unhappiness in the world. It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. Okay, I'll go to different questions. You seem, um, generally, people can say that you're uh, loud, uh, fast-paced, like you're running out of time. Maybe some people say you're angry. Do you feel these feelings? Do you feel you're running out of time, that you need to do so much? No. I feel like I have so much time. Okay. I'm definitely not angry. People confuse how one communicates in a certain environment for their truth. When I'm on stage talking to 5,000 people and I'm hyped and, and if I'm angry, I'm, I'm angry at the systems that have created their unhappiness. I'm actually thrilled that I escaped those vulnerabilities. I'm actually so grateful, it's funny. So 
yeah, I see all those comments and Adderall. The, the, the funniest one is my college friends spent their entire four years trying to get me to smoke weed and I promised my mom in seventh grade that I would never do drugs. So when people leave the comment like Adderall or cocaine because I'm so fast and hyper, me, my, my college friends get the biggest kick because they just think it's so funny because they're like, man, if they just knew. Uh, I'm fast, but that's just because I have a lot of adrenaline and I talk fast. Mm. Like, and my brain works fast. Uh, Do you think you have a big ego? No, I, but I think I have enormous confidence. I think ego is insecurity. Big, if a big ego is big insecurity. That's, I think we are all I think people, egos and it can be a good tool, but if you let it control you, it's very dangerous. I, I actually have no connection towards ego. I, I don't think I'm special. Let's just start there. I understand that I was gifted things, but that's not me. I think my parents are special. I think my parents should have an ego. But I'm the, bi- I'm the byproduct. How the hell, that's like, I love people that are gorgeous. They're funny to me. You didn't do anything. Yeah, you were born this way. And that's how I feel. Just because I understand people better than almost anybody I've ever met, I didn't do that. That's, my parents had sex at the right second. It's hard, I mean this, it's hard for me to think I'm special or, you know. If somebody says, do you like, Listening to yourself and the wisdom that comes out of you. I consume nothing that I put out. Hmm. No, I do not like listening to myself at all. I like what I'm saying. What don't you like about Gary? That, I, that it took me a very long, the, the thing I don't like about me is the thing I'm most working on, which is on a one-to-one level, I struggle with candor because I don't like hurting people's feelings. Hmm. Which blows people away when I answer that because I haven't shared that a lot, I'm starting to share it, because I'm so raw and real on stage, but in real life, for my company and my relationships, I, I struggled with candor because I hate negativity. Mm. Have you been depressed? No. Worst moment in your life? Worst moment in my life. Probably when, I, probably when I realized there was real conflict between me and my dad. When I kind of really knew, there was one day when I left the store, just left it, which I never did, in November when I was like 28, 29, and I knew, I knew that I wouldn't be there anymore. That was tough for me because I really enjoyed building that business for him, and I was willing to do it immigrant style and be there for a very long time. I'm so patient that I thought, I can do this and build this for him until I'm 50 and then I'll go build my own thing. So that, that hurt because I, there was more that I wanted to give him. You cut the umbilical cord then? Yeah. Mm. That's, a, that's something I've never really said, I've never said this out loud, ever. But it's the true answer. It was tough because I felt bad for him. That you let him down? No, that he let me get away. Best moment in your life? When my daughter was born, I, I'll, it's a very close one too. It's either the day my, my when, the second my daughter was born, I looked at her, she, I was at the side, she came out, she was looking straight, and then she turned and looked at me, 
It's, I've never ever cried so on a second and so hard, it was crazy. Yeah, it was, guys, it was super crazy. I just am so grateful. It's so funny how I have nothing close to that with my son, sorry Xander, Uh, but she came out and I was right here and when she turned, I just, it completely destroyed me. And that is either one or it's two or it's tied with the day that the New York Jets beat the Patriots in New England in the second round of the playoffs in 2011. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I'm not kidding. The one place that I'm completely irrational because I'm not in control is my deep love for the New York Jets. The amount of pain the Patriots had brought, they had beaten the Jets 45 to three five weeks earlier. It was the playoffs. All my friends that usually come to Jet games with me didn't go. Just me and my brother and two other people because they didn't want to go there and get slaughtered. I walked in there like I was going to get killed. Like literally, like this is, I'm not even going to use the analogy, but I was walking into death. I remember walking into that stadium. Everyone's making fun of us. Not a word, no face. And to watch them be able to beat them and see that and then watch all those Patriot fans have to leave. (laughs) And this one guy was giving me a really hard time five rows in front of me, like, he was drunk, he was nasty. You're gonna lose, like, spitting, almost fighting. And then when, the, when it became obvious the Jets were gonna win, he tried to leave. I'll never forget this, the Jets went up 10 points late, the game was over, and he tried to leave. And I was like six seats in off the aisle. The most athletic thing I've done in my life. I somehow, in one second, went over six people and grabbed him and said, where the fuck do you think you're going? (laughs) And it was like one of the great moments of my life. Maybe the best moment of my life. I like that. Um, I love the journey. Hmm. I love the journey. Because it makes you cherish the win. You know what's funny? I will actually argue that one of the great vulnerability, one of the things I don't like about Gary is I'm incapable of smelling the roses. I don't like the win. I didn't like my birthday the other, the team, I had a really interesting moment two weeks ago. The team did something very sweet for me. My team, Gary, put, made content and put up my face and a big thing for me in Times Square. And they brought me into an office and they're like, we gotta show you something. And D-Rock and D-Kirk were in Times Square during the hour and were live to, for me to see it. And I reacted as if they like stole my wallet. And a lot of the team doesn't know me that well. And I, I, I remember thinking, this sucks because This was so sweet and I'm so grateful, but I'm incapable of faking my emotions. So I just, I don't like, you understand? It's a vulnerability of mine. I actually, you know what's funny? I'm satisfied, you know what's funny? I'm fully satisfied in the game. I'm fully satisfied right now. When I win, I don't like it. I don't like it. I just like the game. It's why I think I'm such a good entrepreneur. I don't want the money. I don't want the BMW. That was I don't, actually my next question, but I'm glad you're telling me. Continue, you don't want the BMW. No, I mean, I'll drive a BMW. It, it, it's fine, I don't have one, but like, no, none of this is for the stuff. All of it is for where do I rank as the best entrepreneurs of all time? Number 37, number four billion, number one, number 19, like I'm playing the game, the real game. 
And I think actually, one of the reasons that I think I've become the entrepreneur that is giving back by far the most, in my opinion, to other entrepreneurs with no is because I probably subconsciously think that's my hack to being the best entrepreneur. Because Bezos and some of these other, they're putting up some real numbers and I don't think I'm gonna get there. Uh, But in my own mind, if I'm judging entrepreneurship on impact, I genuinely think I'm having a huge impact on the next generation of entrepreneurs. And that makes me proud. And wherever that means in ranking, it feels very good. Last few questions. It's very close to what you just said. We're born, Gary, with uh, a need to feel seen or valued or relevant. It's a need. Yeah, it makes sense. Yes. Daddy, look at me do this or look at my. Yes, 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 yes. What do you think is. What makes you feel seen and valued? Like you're adding value. What is it? The feedback of admiration. I'm chasing admiration. Everybody out here is chasing private jets. I'm chasing admiration. Okay. It's one thing to be seen. It's another thing to be seen for what? Mm. Are you being seen because you know how to kick a football past a goalie? Are you being seen because you're wildly attractive? Are you being seen because you're funny? Are you being seen because you stole money and it looks like you've made money? Like what are you being seen for? I want to be seen more than anybody in the world. Why I'm being seen is what I'm most proud of. I like that. You, to many you seem fearless. But what are you afraid of? Snakes. I don't like snakes so much. Me too. I don't They're, like reptiles. Yeah, snakes are fucked up. You know? <laughs> I don't like snakes. I, I fear the death of 10 or 11 people a lot. I actually think the first time I truly disappear for a little while is probably one of my parents' death. I can see myself really going into a, a form of depression or a funk because I live my complete life on the gratitude that those people are healthy and happy. I'm completely, po- the reason I'm fearless and happy is because it's about those 12 people. So my fear, intuition, it's really the one thing left for me. At 44, there's one thing left that I'm curious about with me, which is when I lose one of them, what happens? Do I do what I normally do, which is default into such optimism that I say, I'm so lucky that I had all this time with them? Or have I put all my chips in there and when one of them goes, I do go into a place where I can't get my juices going for a month three months, a year. I don't know that answer. But that is the one thing left that I want to, that I'm excited. I mean it, I'm ex- even though I fear it. It's the one thing that I'm, it's the last piece of curiosity I have about me because everything else is very obvious. Any regrets? You know what's funny? I'm, I'm really good at not regretting things but I will say this, I do believe that I took it too far when it comes to work ethic between 14 and 30. I worked every minute. Nobody will ever know. My, my mom got emotional about it a couple years ago. She's like, they'll never believe you because she almost feels bad. My dad too. I mean, I worked every minute. All of them. All, I mean, all of them. 
literally every weekend, every summer vacation of my entire adolescence, I worked. And I don't think that's healthy. That's too much. That's, I could have used some balance. Um, so I do regret that a little bit. I do. Um, my problem is it's hard for me to regret because I think me being so unique has led to so much happiness that I, I, I the reason I, the re, I'm trying to challenge myself to actually answer these questions with that, but, but then I have to say this for the record. And then even as I just told you that, I, in my chemicals I can feel like no, I don't regret it because the extreme that I went through created a very unique voice that leads to all my happiness. I, I, I can't, I can't, it's, it's my journey, I can't, I'm too happy. I'm just deeply happy and grateful. I can't critique. Last one, Gary in one word. That's really good. Gary in one word, kind. Thanks guys for listening. Please, please, please share the podcast and make sure you've subscribed because a bunch of you aren't subscribed and more importantly, a bunch of you listen every day and haven't told your friends it's the best podcast in the world. I'm watching. (laughs) Have a great day.